Brazil is not a safe country for human rights defenders. That's for sure. And we as lawyers, we have experienced that before, not only, you know, uh, having to protect the people we were defending, but also in, in being threatened uh, many times. Welcome to the Renew Our World podcast. Renew Our World is a global movement of Christians who believe that since we are truly image bearers of God, we should act like it, living out love for one another in actions and in truth. Since we are image bearers of God, we won't stand by while our neighbors are trapped in poverty and we won't stay idle as creation is left untended and inequality is left to fester. In this podcast, we're going to go on a journey together of discovering a theology of creation care. We'll be discussing the latest in climate news, chatting with industry leaders, theologians and practitioners and hearing from some of our incredible partners who are working on the ground. Join us this season as we learn about creation care and what we can do in our own lives to play part in a much bigger restorative story. So thank you guys for joining us for the second episode of Series 2 of the Renewal World podcast. Today I'm really, I'm really excited to be talking to um, Jose and Marcos, who are part of a group of, of Christian lawyers in Brazil, and they've been doing work in, in a couple of different areas. And today we're going we're gonna to chat about some of the really important work that they're doing. Um, guys, very, you're very welcome to the Renewal World podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure Thank to you. be here. Yeah, no worries. I think, I think people around the world have been you know, watching the news and have been following what's been happening in Brazil the last little while with obviously the the pandemic and even you know the political situation in Brazil and people are, are sort of Brazil is in people's minds um, at the moment so it's it's great to have you guys here to to tell us you know firsthand about the things you're experiencing and um, how you're how you're tackling some of those challenges so yeah thank you thank you very much for for joining us today so just so just to to kick us off so yeah who are you guys and, and what do you do what do you do at your life Thanks for the invitation, David. Um, living in Brazil right now has become like, uh, you know, a survivor challenge. <laughs> it's, yeah. I, I have to joke because it's like really terrible to, uh, to be in a situation where 4,000 people are dying every day. Um, I like every day, every night before going to bed, I, you know, we, I pray with my wife and we thank God for the, you know, the grace of not having lost anyone close but you know by like opening your whatsapp that people are losing their relatives and family and friends every day yeah so it's a real tough situation and it's very political although many people try to deny it that there are people who are accountable for what we are living now yeah yeah and and that's what we have been working through so my name is marcus vinicius I'm, um, I'm an academic. I teach law in the um, office, for the, um, office for the state attorney in, in, in Rio de Janeiro, which is um, a professional school for public lawyers. And I, also, I am also a postdoctoral fellow at the Federal University of Rio de Janeiro at the National mm-hmm. School of Law. Yeah. And I've been working. I, 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 took a, I did my PhD in the UK at Birkbeck. Um, a while ago and in the last four years I've been back to Brazil and I've been working for an organization called uh, Peace and Hope International which you, you guys also have in the UK it's yep. called Paz y Speranza it's yep. a Latin American NGO in the UK the president is uh, 
Gordon Graham, <laughs> who has been mm -hmm. to work for Tearfund as well. So, um, and this, I'm also involved with IFS Brazil, ABUB, and I'm currently teaching and engaged in this recap, or recap as it sounds in English, which is a, the recent recently created lawyer, um, net, Christian lawyer network in Brazil. Yeah, yeah. So I handled to Zé. Okay, all right. So, as Marcos said, here in Brazil, we are living in a terrible situation. It's true. I live in one of the worst cities uh, in this COVID scene in Brazil, that is Uberlândia. Just so you know, only in my city, uh, more people die than in Uruguay or other countries or other entire countries. Wow. Uh, every day we lost someone that we really know that we're close. And uh, it's it's hard to, to say that, but it's a political project. It's not a natural uh, thing without a uh, different choice. It's something that mm -hmm. they are built here and we are leaving the consequence of uh, concrete politicians. So, uh, Quality. So uh, it's really hard. Uh, it's uh, I can't say we are surviving. We are trying to survive. Yeah, yeah. We really pray every day about about our families, our friends, ourselves, and our country because it's a terrible situation. Well, my name is Jose Carlos. I I am a Brazilian barrister. I have a lawyer bureau or a lawyer office. I don't know how how you, you say that, uh, but it's a, a Bureau of Lawyers and uh, we we defend almost or principally uh, labor unions and uh, uh -huh. social movements. And uh, I act as Marcos in the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students. Here in Brazil, it's called ABUB. And uh, we are together in the recap this recently uh, action that uh, unites lawyers, barristers, sol solicitors, and other other legal uh, works and studies uh, to fight for human rights, justice in a mm. Christian view, in a Christian perspective. That's really that's really cool. Thanks for thanks for sharing that, guys. Yeah, I, I already I'm I feel, um, I feel like I, I feel like I'm not doing enough of my life when I hear what you guys are doing. But uh, yeah, ho hopefully it's a good it's a good challenge to 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 step up to the plate. Um, so I just want to dive. Uh, you know, we've we've chatted about it already. The the health situation in in Amazon Estate and obviously Manaus, which is the the sort of capital city in in Amazonas and. Um, sort of has been the epicenter of the the health crisis in in Brazil. Um, so yeah, I wonder could you guys tell us what's what's the current situation like there? And I guess I guess what as we've been chatting and we've been reading on the news, there's sort of a ripple effect, and we're seeing you know the 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 situation in those in in Manaus and Amazonas is now starting to be replicated in other places. Yeah, I wonder if you could tell us um, what's what's the latest sort of on the ground there in those areas. Okay. Well, uh, as as I, I think a lot of people know, the situation in Amazonas State or in Manaus now is not only in Amazonas State or in Manaus. It's true that uh, as consequence of lots of 
politics that uh, don't respect the social distance and using mask or basic things come uh, take us to a situation uh, with a lot of with COVID, a lot of people needing CTEs, but that caused something in Manaus that was terrible, that uh, was the lack of oxygen. So people literally diet without oxygen, uh, without because uh, they, they can't breathe in a hospital, and that was terrible. That was sad. Lots of people from the same family passed away, and that shocks all the country. But I think that the saddest thing about that is that uh, only a month or some days after that, uh, we are taking the risk that did happen, that happens, or that uh, take a place in another places, uh, other parts of Brazil. Because now we we don't have the a really secure situation about oxygen, but also about the medicines necessary to sedate. How can I say uh, sedate? Sedate, yeah, sedate, sedate people. Sedate, sedate people uh, for intubation. I can say intubation. I don't. Know. Yeah, 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 yeah. For intubation, so uh, it's a really hard and a really tough moment and uh the government don't take the the necessary uh per, the necessary acts that we we need to to with this situation we don't uh take a seriously politic of isolation or something that can stop uh, the the covid situation we don't have enough vaccines so uh, our country are walking to a situation that could be in the worst uh, scenario, uh, a lack of oxygen and a lack of medicines for sedation in lots of parts of the country, not only on the Amazon state or in, in, in some places that are, are most difficult to, to end, but also in big cities and main, main cities and capitals or in, in main states. I, if I can also add to that, I would say that Manaus was a warning to the whole country yeah. on how different levels of government were responsible for um, attending to the needs of the population on, during the pandemic. And it was like um, a mirror of what you should not do. And sure. unfortunately, we are fo all following that way. So just to give you a, 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 you know, a, a picture, in a year ago, in Manaus, the mayor, the... Um, governor of the state and the federal government, they were celebrating the end of the pandemic in Manaus. Mm, we were saying, mm. oh, we, we did a lockdown and now everything is fine. We can open everything again and there's no more pandemic and people were gathering together. And this was like in April 2020, like one month of lockdown. And the people mm. were, the, the, the politicians were, you know, uh, perpetrating this kind of responsibility. So uh, what happened much later was that uh, the virus spread so fast that it developed a new kind and it was much more fatal and lots of people died because of, um, of this failure, you know. That's really, that's really heartbreaking to hear. Um, yeah, and it's, it's as, you, as you guys have mentioned really clearly, like it's been, it didn't have to be this way. You know, it didn't have to be this way in terms of poor decision making that was, that happened and um, 
I think Jose mentioned even like you know levels of corruption that are that we're seeing as well and and dealing with some of these issues and um yeah I I wonder how could you can you guys tell us a bit about how you've been responding then so how how have how have you know your group of 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 Christian uh, people involved in law how have you guys been responding and yeah what what's um what's been happening in that sense uh sure so what we did, like we have this um, uh, HICAPI or RECAP, which is a new initiative that started last year. And we decided that this, the Manaus case would have to be our first action. Like we needed to do something. And our first uh, feeling was that we should uh, file a case in, for the public prosecution in, in, in Manaus so they could sue the authorities because clearly those guys had done something wrong. But then we find out, we found out then that the public prosecution was already investigating the case. So there was mm -hmm. no need for us to file a new case. So we decided to write a public letter with all the, the research we had done. And we, we, uh, we found that there was something that hasn't, hadn't been said. Is that, does that make sense? Am I conjugating yeah. the right thing in, in English here? It's like uh, a lot of people were accusing the government, the federal government of acting to spread the virus that is they believed in herding immunity and sure, yeah. to get that you know weak people old people people with health issues they should just die you know that was what the the, the federal yeah. government was the policy the federal government was and it still is applying and then you had the state level and and, and the local level governments doing lots of other very um, irresponsible things but we decided to go for one specific thing, you know, lawyers, they like the detail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we found out that uh, there, were, there is a, a, a statute in Brazil that in case of emergency, of a war, of a catastrophe, of anything like that, the federal government can use its radical title of property to take property away from people, from industries, from whatever, Mm -hmm. and um, respond to the emergency. And then, of course, it has to pay, pay them back in the future, you know? But um, the, the, the point is the federal government could have stopped the, um, the oxygen crisis in Manaus. It could have taken hold of factories that produce oxygen, not only in Manaus, but in all the other 28 states, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was clearly possible, and they omit themselves. They were irresponsible in not facing the crisis as they should. So this is what we de decided to say. No one was saying that in public. So we wrote a petition proving to the government and to whatever one had read it that uh, they omitted themselves. They decided not to act and that should be brought to courts and they should be made responsible. Um, there was an issue that I also want to mention, which is uh, a lot of churches and a lot of Christian organizations were so engaged in helping. Like they mm. were sending oxygen to, they were buying oxygen and sending it to wow. Manaus. And that's really hard, man. Like, have you ever tried to buy oxygen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a huge tube, you know? And you, and you cannot send it by car. You have to have a special plane, airplane to do it. So they, they mobilized themselves, like big churches in Sao Paulo and organizations such as World, View, World Vision. They send like millions of eyes they raised to, to do that. And we were praising that, but we were also saying, and, and at that time, they were not supporting us because they said, oh, these guys are too, you know, being legally concerned. And we were saying, no, we are, this is what we should do. These guys have omitted themselves. And um, I think uh, 
yeah, that's it. Let, let, let's, <laughs> let's see if Zach can add something to that as well. Oh, just, just to, just something if that, that's important to say that if charts and uh, social organizations could buy uh, oxygen, for sure the, the government could mm, buy. Yeah, so, yeah. Yes, that demonstrated that it was possible. That was a choice. Our government tried not not to do anything because uh, something important to say uh, that the government was warned. Uh, uh, warned. War, abizado. Warned. It was warned in advance. Warned. It was warned. Sorry. Right. It was warned. Officially warned by mail, by uh, post uh, documents, and something like that, and didn't anything. And uh, yeah, uh, yeah. what Mark said, that's uh, totally possible that the government uh, would uh, uh, by, by law, I can say that. I don't know you you have this institute in, in England. The, yeah, the problem yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, that now in the medicines crisis, the government did that. So they could have done that uh, in the oxygen situation. So that was possible to avoid. Brazilian uh, fellows, Brazilian people died without oxygen. We, uh, we, they can't breathe till they die and the government could have stopped, could have acted different. So yeah. what we did was to uh, build documents, build... Uh, build a case. Yes, uh, that shows that. That shows that it was legally possible but also that it was uh, possible in the in the reality in that in that reality that we had oxygen we have the the legal instrument and that was a choice a, a political action that results in that depths and that, mm. that situation in Manaus that are, are going to happen in our country. if I if I can just add to that like when we we started writing the case and then turned it into a public letter we decided to invite uh, pastors, leaders in many churches to sign with us before we publish the letter. So for a start, we had 70 um, pastors and leaders that signed from the beginning. And people ranging from all sorts of or Christian organizations like missionaries in Manaus, Christian missions in Manaus, um, the, the Quadrangular Church in Manaus with the Pentecostal Church, uh, the, 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 they signed, like the, the, the head of the church signed, his, his wife died in the crisis. He was mm. one of the first to sign. And we had people like uh, Ziel Machado, who is the honorary president of IFES uh, and globally, uh, an evangelical theologian. And on the other side, we had like Leonardo Boffi, who is like a, a liberal uh, theo theology, uh, liberation theology, you know, uh, leader. Yeah. Yeah. He also signed. So um, we had Catholics joining us and, and it was like a, a really encouraging situation. Uh, it was our first action as a net Christian uh, network of lawyers. And um, we, we had all this support. Unfortunately, there was not enough to save the lives that was, were lost, you know, because mm. only the action of the government, of the federal government to be specific, could have helped save like tens of thousands of people who died without oxygen in Manaus. I think I think people in different places in the world will really be able to so well some you know some places will really be able to relate to to what you guys are saying like I think as well maybe it's been in the news you know in the UK at the beginning stages of the pandemic 
you know, some mistakes were made by by the, you know, the, the national government. And, you know, it's very clearly proven that it, it resulted in extra amounts of death that that could have been averted. Yeah, it's um, so I think I think I think people people here can it, you know, definitely not on the same level of scale, you know, but have some level of um, understanding of how just bad decision making and, you know, arguably corrupt decision making um you know how that re- results in in people's lives being lost re- you know real people and you know in, in your world we talk about you know the, the the dignity that god gives each and every individual person because he's their creation and these are people that needlessly died because of um because of bad bad decisions so yeah we, we appreciate that oh and one, th- one thing we 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 mentioned um we're in your world. We sent out an email and we asked people to sign the petition that you guys had had done. So we're wondering, you know, I think you mentioned you've been able to use the petition maybe in like a court case or it's been used as evidence or something. Has that been has that been able to happen or how, how has that worked in the in the court case then and, and in in the sort of legal proceedings that have happened since then? OK, well, I think that the, the petition have three objects or three or three functions. Yeah? So uh, uh, the first one is to, with the signs, with people who endorse it, uh, we we can show the, the society that the church, the Christians are not all of them allied with this death politic. politic. So uh, here in Brazil, the government tried to say that he is totally or mostly supported by the church, by the Christians, and that the evangelical fellows are all, uh, all the evangelical fellows agree with this, this situation. And this, I think that this petition has that, uh, that function to, to, to tell us, to, to review that's not like that, that a lot of pastors, a lot of Christians, a lot of church that don't agree uh, with what's happened here, uh, the second uh, a second objective that we have with this petition is that uh, we can use that, and now more than ever, to prove that it's possible to avoid this lackness of uh, insumes crisis. Because here, for one more time in, in Brazil. We are risking to to leave another another lacks of consumes now medicines for intubation for uh, uh, to sedate people, and we warned we have this officially righted and officially registered that uh, things like that can can be taken away but can can be avoided. So uh, the important uh, the important uh, or, uh, function that this kind of petition can 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 be can be taken, and the last one that I think is that uh, as we send it to authorities, to courts, to the prosecution uh, chiefs, uh, we instigate the state to act, and they can't say that they don't know the situation, that they, they that they didn't know that happened. So it creates a formal and a legally situation that in some somehow applies the government or the institutions to act against that. And uh, the different because there's a lot of other organizations that uh, do that. 
But I, I think that the, the, the great thing or the most different thing is that our organization is not only a legal organization, but mm -hmm. also a Christian organization. And yeah. it brought uh, the, the narrative that only the, that all the Christians, all the evangelicals are, I'm sorry about that, are uh, with uh, Bolsonaro's government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I could I, only add to that a, a little, uh, I think one of the most impressive things that happened with the petition was that, um, uh, you know, we have our, <laughs> our way as lawyers of making uh, the authorities know. And so we legally, formally submit the, mm -hmm. our petition to all the authorities that were mentioned in, on the text and, and, and in the text. And this, um, this of course, uh, makes, creates a demand for them to answer. And one of the, and, and of course, we'd, we'd not only um, a right to informally submitted to the, the people who were, you know, implicated, but also to those who were investigating. So our, our um, petition uh, was, uh, it was, I don't know how to use the formal term in English, but it was connected yeah. to, to, the, to the prosecution investigation against the authorities in Manaus. You see, yeah. the, federal, the, the Federal Bureau uh, for Prosecution, which is a public uh, agency in Brazil, um, uh, and, and it is entitled to prosecute the federal government, they took our, our petition into their case. And that was mm -hmm. like a huge impact for our first action. <laughs> that we yeah, did yeah. So we, we were very happy and thankful that this could take place. That's great. Yeah, that's it's really, really, really great to see that um, you guys have been able to respond uh, as people of faith and as people, you know, using your, your, your profession and your skills to, to try and bring about some justice. Um, yeah, it's really cool to hear. There, there, are, there are a couple of other sort of issues happening at the moment, sort of somewhat related to the pandemic, but also somewhat related to um, to other issues as well. You know, we've we've seen in the news as well in Venezuela. There's been a lot of unrest, and sadly, you know, a lot of people have had to leave Venezuela, and they're now migrants across uh, across Latin America and into Mexico and, and further afield as well into into the US. Um, but yeah, your your guys were saying that there's churches have been responding, but that's brought up some issues as well. I wonder if you could you could tell us a bit about what's been happening there. Sure. So um, Brazil has become a major country for um, you know receiving people applying for refugee in South America, and it this has been happening for a time now. Uh, most of them it happened when Brazil was acting in Haiti with the NU. And the UN, sorry, <laughs> and then um, and then it happened again uh, on the Venezuela economic and political crisis. So we have a huge number of people uh, of Venezuelans coming to Brazil and applying for uh, refugee status. So and the churches have been like massively responding to this, which is encouraging. Just to so you know, there's uh, an um, an action from Tier Fund in Brazil um, connected to. ACNUR, I'm not sure how to say ACNUR in English. It's the, the, the refugee organization for, uh, for the, the UN refugee organization. Yeah, so they are, yeah, yeah. They're currently pr promoting um, a, a course for churches, for church people on the, mm. you know, on grassroots level on how, should, can, how can you work to protect uh, refugees or people applying for refugee status in Brazil 
how should you respond to that? And, um, and the churches have produced this theology of like Jesus was a refugee, you know, and mm. <laughs> and uh, and we have to attend to families in, in in those conditions, and it has been beautiful. But then what happened recently was that we had a terrible case connected to the COVID pandemic, you know, in a very strange way, as I would explain, which was um, which happened in Horaima, which is another state, a smaller state in mm -hmm. the, the north part of Brazil, an Amazonian state as well. And it has a, it, there has a border even as well. So what happened is uh, a lot of families were crossing into, uh, crossing the border into Brazil in mm. a city called Pacaraima. Uh, and in this city, we had a, a Christian uh, uh, economical work happening to host these this people. And it was um, uh, the Catholic church, which is the biggest church in Brazil, and the Assembly of God, which is the second biggest church in Brazil, an evangelical church. Yeah. And they were hosting um, these fam Venezuelan families. The, the, the men would stay in the, uh, on top of the church, in the house of the pastor of the Assembly of God. And the women and the children were staying hosted by the Catholic church. And this was happening. And what, what strangely happened a couple of weeks ago uh, was that the federal police broke into both places, uh, wearing masks, yeah. uh, heavily arm armored, mm. uh, and illegally, because they had no judicial mandate to, to broke into a church, which is something very serious. So they broke into the two churches and they arrested more than 50 families of Venezuelans. Wow. And wow. Uh, um, a nun, was serving in the Catholic Church and the pastor of the Assembly of God in the in Pacaraima, and they took them to to the police station, and it was an absurd situation. They used the pandemic as an excuse to try to deport these people who were to are about to apply for refugee status. So um, they, right. the federal government, who has been very responsible during all this time, led by an evangelical pastor called Andrea Mendonça. Uh, a Presbyterian evangelical pastor uh, officially broke into two churches, and we were shocked, man. This is like who who has ever broken into a church? I, I don't believe even in Second World War this would happen. This is like a Viking thing. Sorry for those of you from North <laughs> from North <laughs> like Denmark and stuff. This was terrible. And then um, uh, we, we immediately, like two hundred, more than two hundred human rights organizations, we wrote a petition denouncing what was happening and the federal prosecution office and another public office uh, that's usually stay for the defenders uh, 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 freely agreed to, to, to sue the federal government and the state government as well on behalf of the Catholic Church and the Assembly of God. And they sued them demanding in, in pounds, it would be like 2.5 million pounds of damages wow. for both churches. And this, like, this broke into the news and quickly went away. But um, one of our lawyers in our network is Laura Talio, who is uh, 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 a, lawyer, um, a solicitor who works for uh, World Vision. And she brought the case to us and said, dude, this, <laughs> uh, mate, this is very strange because no, at the note of the human rights organizations, didn't mm. mention it were churches, you know. It mentioned just the violation of human rights of refugees and, and so on. So we decided to write another petition. We wrote a petition uh, stating that this was a violation of freedom of religion. Like the federal police illegally hey, broke two yeah. churches. 
under the rule <laughs> of uh, yeah. a, a president who declared himself Christian and a ministry of justice who is in charge of the federal police, who is a professed, confessed uh, Presbyterian pastor. So we highlighted that in the petition and it was, uh, we had a lot of support from um, uh, Christian organization Brazil, in Brazil and, and in Latin America. Like I remember a one a very famous uh, um, Catholic priest uh, um, who, you, who was arrested in the last Brazilian military dictatorship being mm. shocked by that, you know? <laughs> it's like we're living under the democracy and he was shocked like what? They broke into a Catholic church. Like I haven't seen this happening in like, you know, a, a long time. So it was a really shocking situation that we had to respond. Yeah. 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 That's good. Sorry. Go ahead, Jose. Just, just to, to reinforce one, one point of that, that's that the contradiction in this politics. So uh, the government that lets the oxygens end goes through a church uh, using the COVID, uh, the, the COVID subject. And the, the government that says that uh, is a Christian government or is a government that tries to do the, the Christian way of, anyway, uh, and goes to a church when it's about refugees. And uh, yeah. something important that's the Venezuelans refugees. So uh, the Venezuela here in Brazil have a... Uh, uh, a political view uh, uh, with left, with socialism, something like that. So uh, it's the it's totally uh, it's a, a totally contradiction that the government that uh, don't mind about the COVID situation goes for a church saying that uh, uh, that are concerned about the pandemic situation, and a yeah. government that says that it's a Christian government uh, violates the rights of uh, a church, something that really. Uh, never happened. I think that's never happened, or in the uh, on the recently history of Brazil, never uh, happened. So uh, it's really impossible to understand or impossible to justify. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that that's it. Just seems the the hypocrisy of the the situation whereby, like, yeah, a, Christ, a so-called Christian government is clamping down on Christians obeying the commands in the in the. Uh, in the Bible, to you know, to to love the foreigner, to to reach out and to to help the poor among you, you know, there these Christians, both Catholic and evangelical, you know, obeying that command from Jesus and having the government clamp down on it. Yeah, I can. It's um, it's really it's really frustrating, and I think as well, it it, it highlights the point, isn't it, in terms of the you know, the state of play between the interaction between the state and the churches at the moment. Maybe there's a sort of a there's a tension in and there's a there's a conflict happening and I guess you you're I know and I know every church is different, you know, so maybe some churches um have a different view to others and how they outwork their theology and how they outwork their view of society. Um but you guys were also saying that, you know, similar to what's happening in other in other countries, you know there's it maybe particularly we see it in the in the US right where maybe some pastors some churches are saying no we want to stay open during the pandemic we want to have the freedom to to worship and that's that's also been an issue in in Brazil you guys were you guys were saying yes yes it's a it's a issue it's uh, to show that uh, it's interesting uh, yesterday 
it was voted in our Supreme Court if it was constitutional or not to close the church, uh, uh, to close the church or, or in the pandemic situation. And the Supreme Court uh, decides that it was uh, legally uh, possible to do that in the hardest moments of the pandemic situation. And the Andre Mendonça that Marcos said, that our Minister of Justice, of justice uh, just said that the Christian uh, wants to uh, not not wants but uh, are disposed to die uh, with COVID, uh, so they can never or so they can go to the church every Sunday, and that's not a problem to them. Uh, and the, that was a, a fun situation because one of the judges of the court said that this minister must. Uh, went from, from Mars, because it's impossible <laughs> that the, the minister was saying that in, in the court. So that's a situation here. And uh, yesterday, the, the Supreme Court uh, decided that it's possible uh, for a little moment, the hardest moment of the pandemic, uh, not have public, uh, public uh, agreement uh, in, in church here in Brazil. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If I can add to that, it's I'm I have to say, like, I am ashamed of the lawyers and the Christian and evangelical lawyers who went to the Supreme Court yesterday and the day before yesterday. Like, this is a terrible testimony that they were providing the country and the world with. So, so just to to to, to make things clear, there's a, an association of evangelical jurists in Brazil, which is a big organization with lots of uh, funds and, and connections to the government. They have provided uh, Andrea Mendonça and Damaris, which is the uh, women and human rights uh, ministry in Brazil. And um, they, they fully support the federal government. And they filed um, a case uh, a year ago um, on if churches could be closed by uh, states and local authorities, because they argued uh, and they had and, and for me the whole point of this action that was uh, taken in the Supreme Court was to provide the federal government with a second round. It had nothing to do with freedom of religion. The point was that in the beginning of the pandemic, uh, a year ago, Andrea mm. uh, uh, Mendonça filed uh, a case against the, the states and the local authorities, which are many in Brazil. We have 5,000 cities and more than 5,000 cities and 28 states who are closing things without the authorization of the federal government because he, he claimed that only the federal government under a state of siege, which has to be approved by the parliament, could uh, order the closing of things. And of course, he lost the case because the Supreme Court saw the irresponsibility that the federal government was, uh, the, the responsible actions that the federal government was taking and not taking in, uh, to fight the pandemic. And it authorized a year ago that governors and local authorities will, uh, were able to constitutionally close um, the shops, the malls, the mm -hmm. parks, and the churches. So this was very annoying for the government, and they used the argument, an important, like, fundamental right of freedom of religion to try to clash the same statute that authorized, the same decision of the Supreme Court that authorized 
the state governments to close churches. You know, for me, it was just uh, th there was just this only political interest in in the case was to deauthorize yeah. the state authorities and and take back the case to the federal government. And I am ashamed to see like in Brazil is a country where uh, 30 years ago, before the current constitution, if you professed an African Brazilian religion, you had to register yourself in the police station, man. Can you believe that? Mm -hmm. Like people were so afraid of <laughs> African religions, so racist that African uh, priests, African Brazilian priests had to register themselves before the local police, before they could do perform their rituals and their religious acts. So, and, and 50 years ago in Brazil, uh, Catholic fundamentalist uh, movements were burning Bibles against Protestants and evangelicals. So we had cases of freedom of religion in the country before and serious cases. And these people, they are taking that argument to a lower level to attach themselves to a political mm -hmm. power of project, uh, you know, so a political power project. This is a very, this is, this is, a, this is why we, we, we want to provide Christians lawyers with another option, you know, so I guess the 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 things that you're talking about are really they're really interesting and it's it's me to me it's really encouraging to see you guys stepping out and you guys um you know taking part in this type of legal legal advocacy and you know offering offering a different voice to maybe what's what's sometimes heard and what's sometimes seen. And so I guess as we finish the podcast episode and as we start to wrap it up I'd love to know both of your guys your thoughts on so, so why do you think Christians should get involved in these types of advocacy? Because, you know, you've mentioned it earlier and I've mentioned it as well. You know, sometimes people say, ah, Christians, we shouldn't be involved in, in politics. We shouldn't be involved in, um, in, in advocacy because it's, you know, we, we need to be separate from the, from the world, you know, in those contexts sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I'd love to know a bit about what you guys think about that. You know, what, why do you guys do what you do? What, what motivates you as Christians to do what you do and, and take part in your advocacy? Well, um, I, I want to state that promoting human rights is a Christian agenda. It is peace building. Mm -hmm. The way we treat the least, the smaller and the worst criminal among us, I think it tells us a lot about our, ourselves, you know, in our society. Uh, Jesus told us it is the sick who need the doctor's help, not the, not the healthy. And yeah. I think believing in Jesus is about becoming a peacemaker. And I think mm. what we're trying to do is like we're building peace, you know, and, and uh, of course we need your support uh, in your prayers. And I think every Christian should pray and should engage and, 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 and donate to peace building work. I think this is, a, this is something that is essentially Christian for me. Yeah. Well, I, I totally agree with that, but I also, I also say that uh, there is a double or two times important uh, uh, thing about Christian acts in advocacy and involving with these initiations. That is, uh, in our actual context, uh, in our reality, uh, at, I don't know there, but here in Brazil, it's really hard. It's a really clear situation uh, that the the violation of rights, the the speech of hate, are day after day using uh, Christians 
just uh, are justifying them, themselves with Christian's arguments and saying that the 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 Christian view, the Christian moral, is that uh, we can uh, impose to us violations of human rights and justifies mm. rape speech. So I think that uh, nowadays, in our moment, uh, it's really, really important and Christians all around the world must raise up and say, no, that's not the Jesus uh, vision, that's not the Christian ways uh, of uh, living in this world. We are not uh, human rights violators, we are not mm -hmm. against liberty, we are not against equality, we are not uh, people that hate, we are people that love, and we must uh, show this this love in our reality. So the, the importance now is more than ever, uh, because we can't uh, show ourselves, we, can, we must stand up and say, no, uh, you that defends the, the rape, hate, that defends the human rights violation, are not the owner of the Christian faith, are not the owner of the church, are not the, the, the owner of the Jesus word. Uh, Jesus tells us to love uh, people that are different from us, to respect, to help, uh, and not to hate, not to violate, and something like that. So I think that uh, we Christians have this uh, important mission to broke the, this, this politic of hate that are standing in a Christian uh, close and say, no, we are not all like that. Uh, the Christianity faith are, are against this cruelty, are against this uh, politic of death and hate. So I think uh, it's really important. Uh, we can stand up, show our voice, show that we exist, and show that they are not uh, the owners or not alone in the, in the Christian faith, in the Christian movement. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for that. Well, that, that just about brings our, our conversations to a close for today. And I, I just, yeah, I just really want to thank you, you guys, Marcus and Jose, for, for joining us. Um, it's been really, really inspirational to hear, hear your guys' story. And yeah, it's just, it's really encouraging to hear um, some voices of Christians standing up for justice in in the in the sphere that you guys are in. Um, so so just quickly before we finish, so could you tell us a little bit about your website? So where where can people find out more about your work and what you're doing? Um, could you let us know? Uh, you can find a website uh, here. I will provide the link for you, and uh, you can um, support us in terms of you have pray for us. Like just to be clear. Uh, in our website, you won't see our faces because we believe in protecting the people who are ahead of the, the, the advocacy network. And uh, Brazil is not a safe country for human rights defenders. That's for sure. And we as lawyers, we have experienced that before, not only, you know, uh, having to protect the people we worked uh, mm -hmm. de uh, defending, but also in, in being threatened uh, many times. So um, you can support our network by signing our petitions praying for us, for our safety and the safety of those lawyers engaged in the work we are being developing. And I'm pretty sure you can donate to us as well. Like uh, we are a very young organization. We have less than one year. We are completing one year now. And, and, and then you could donate to us uh, through Tier Fund UK, saying you want to donate to Recap Brazil. 
and to Chief Fund Brazil, and also to Peace and Hope International. You have Peace and Hope in the UK. You can also reach us through them. So we would be thrilled to hear for you, from you. If anyone wants to write an email or anything, we would also gladly respond. Super. Yes, go ahead, yes, go yes. ahead, Jose. Go ahead. Just, just, yes, just just one one more thing. Uh, I I think that in this moment we more than ever needs international support, international uh, not not only donate, not only uh, but but we need also uh, international denunciation. If we can, I can say that about mm. we are, what we are what we are living here in Brazil and it's so like solid, solidarity and sort solidarity. of. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And people, people talking about people here talking in talking about the issues in Brazil. Yeah. So you find happened. that you find that helpful for and support. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, that's that is that. Super. Well, what we'll do is on the on the renewal website. If you've if you've if you're listening to this podcast, um, you'll find some more details on on the on the website, and you can find the guy's website um, and and learn more. And also, yeah, do do feel free to get in touch with. Um, tier from the UK and say you know you you have specific work you'd like to support, um, and we'll we'll look to look to do that. Guys, thank you so much for your time, and um, yeah, we're we're I think maybe in a couple of months' time, maybe we can do another podcast. I'd love to know more about what ha- what happens as time goes on, and you can tell us a bit more about your work. That'd be that'd be fantastic. So uh, yeah, we'll 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 stay in touch, and you can keep telling us um, about the different work that you're doing. Um, yeah, thank you so much for joining us today, and. Check back, check back soon for episode three, uh, which will be coming with you in the next the next couple of weeks as well. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Cheers. It was a pleasure, David. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Cheers. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, all the, the listeners. And uh, pray for us. Don't, don't forget us in your prayer. We, we really need that. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Renew Our World podcast. To learn more about the Renew Our World campaign or to hear about some of the work that our partners are doing, make sure you jump on over to our website at renewourworld.net. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a podcast episode again.